All right, we're going to make our declaration today. And, uh, you know, uh, usually when we are all assembled together in church, we tell everybody in, a, in, 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 the, in the auditorium, we tell everybody, stand up your feet and make your declaration. Uh, but for, since all of us, or most of us are at home and or wherever you are, uh, you can you know, remain seated. If you want to stand, you're welcome to do that. But let's make our declaration, us expressing our faith in the Word of God. And if you can, just hold your Bible in your hand and uh, say this out loud, bold, and strong with me. Let's do this together. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am in absolute surrender. I walk in the more glorious covenant with God. I live the more glorious life in the Spirit. I manifest the more glorious ministry of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, thank you. And those of you in the auditorium, God bless you. Thank you, thank you. We have a few, the worship team is with us here, so they are encouraging me. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, just want to share a few testimonies before we get into the Word of God. We like to, you know, from time to time, get the testimonies together and share it with you. Um, now, of course, I'm going to just share a brief of the testimonies that have come in in the last uh, week or two. Uh, uh, some of these testimonies have a lot more detail than, you know, that we have time to read and, uh, and share with us. So I'll just give a gist of uh, these testimonies. Number, um, the first one, this testimony came in on the 1st of April. And uh, uh, this person shares how on the 31st of March, uh, uh, during exercise, uh, he, he had pulled a muscle, so there was a lot of pain, uh, and uh, he, 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 it was difficult for him to walk or even sit up straight or even sleep that night. Uh, the next morning, uh, he tuned into our um, uh, daily devotional. So he's watching Living Supernaturally, a daily devotional, and uh, during that prayer time on that five minute devotional, uh, when prayer was being made, he came into agreement. He laid his hand on his hands on his back, wherever it was hurting, asked God to heal him. And he says here, immediately at that moment, the pain was gone, completely gone. So that's just wonderful. You know, through, through the daily devotional, five-minute devotional, God did that and ministered to him. Here's another testimony that came on the 2nd of April, uh, which had to do with our healing service last month on the 28th of March. Um, uh, this person writes, uh, and I, again, I'm not sure whether this happened in person or whether it was online, but the person writes here uh, that we were asked to place our hand where we needed healing. Uh, so I placed my hand on my left thigh, which was paining for a few days. And uh, uh, the person writes, uh, the pain had disappeared miraculously. I don't have any pain at all. So there was uh, healing there uh, as during that time. A couple of other testimonies here. This was sent on the 3rd of April. This person writes uh, that uh, uh, she had a severe knee problem. Uh, there was some kind of a swelling and uh, other, other problems with the knee. And this was there for a couple of years. Uh, now, there are a lot of details in the email. I'm skipping all that. Um, and, uh, 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 and, then, and then she writes here saying that uh, it got so bad that she had to use a knee brace while walking or driving. Uh, and... Uh, uh, and when she would sleep, there would, there would be a, a lot of pain. She couldn't bend her knee. She couldn't sit or kneel uh, uh, in that pain. Uh, so this happened on the 28th of March. 
the supernatural Sunday. Uh, she prayed. Uh, uh, God healed her right there. She says here, I stood up to praise him. My pain had gone. I stood. I bent my knees. I jumped. I swayed from side to side. Believe me when I say I did everything I couldn't do. And uh, she says there, by that evening I was rejoicing. I was completely painless. Something that was there for years went off in that that one service, wonderful, and praise God for that. Uh, one last testimony, this was the healing of uh, left shoulder pain. Uh, this person writes here, she said that in 2008, so that's almost uh, 12 to th- 12, little over 12 years, um, uh, she, had a, uh, she fell, she had an injury, she fractured her left shoulder, uh, leaving her shoulder and her forearm painful since that time. She was not able to move. Uh, she, um, uh, she couldn't lower her hand to pick anything up. Uh, she wasn't able to raise her hand without support and so on. And so she was joining the services and uh, during the services she would pray. Uh, uh, this was during the month of March. Uh, during the healing prayer she would pray. And, uh, and in one of the services, and I think it's the 28th of March when prayer was being made from here, uh, she joined together. So she you know, she was continuing in prayer. She joined together, uh, and then uh, I'm skipping a lot, lot, a lot of the details. She says, uh, I, "I now realize uh, uh, my ha- I feel my hand painless. I'm able to pick up and lift things with my left hand, even small things that I couldn't pick up earlier. Uh, you know, previously she, she couldn't sleep on her left side. Uh, it was very painful all these years. Now she says, I feel free and completely relieved of my pain." Thank God for all of these testimonies. We just give thanks to God. Uh, you know, whether they're small things or big things, thank God for, you know, the people who've experienced healing, they're the ones who know how important that healing is to them. You know, imagine since 2008, and then this person is healed, or the other person with a knee problem for years, uh, being healed and, you know, set free from that. And thank God for these testimonies. And uh, there are uh, a couple of other testimonies that came in, uh, which had to do with other things like, being blessed with an apartment and and so on. uh, But I've just picked up some of the healing testimonies uh, to share them with with us this morning. All right, we're going to spend some time in the Word of God. And uh, um, uh, I hope you're ready and hope you love God and love His Word. I'm sure you do. And uh, so we're going to spend some time in the Word and uh, just open up our hearts to receive God's word. Um, today, I want us, want to, us to focus on the topic of repentance. And so uh, I've titled the message, Repentance, Recovery, and Restoration. Now, uh, repentance is an important uh, biblical truth. It's a topic that, uh, it's, it's a subject that's, uh, that's in the word of God. Uh, but it's not a very popular subject. I mean, you know, people usually tune off. Okay, I don't want to hear that, you know, repentance. Uh, but nevertheless, it's a very important topic. And, and uh, I, I realize many of us who are tuned in this morning or are watching this, um, uh, you know, you're probably already a believer. And uh, you're wondering, you know, what does repentance have? How important is repentance in the life of a believer? And so we're going to answer several questions along that line in the message today. And hopefully uh, you and I will understand the seriousness and the importance of repentance in a believer's life and why it is so important. Now, uh, 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 I just have to make a few uh, comments here before we get in uh, to the message. First of all, uh, there will be a lot of scriptures that we're going to cover. Uh, we're not going to be uh, pausing and reading all the scriptures, uh, but they're all available in our sermon notes. So the sermon notes is available on our church website. I encourage you to go uh, download that. Maybe you could do it right now and just follow the message with me, or you could do that later, or maybe listen to this message one more time along with the sermon notes so that you really let these truths sink into your heart. You also take time to study uh, the Word of God. But while I'm sharing the message today, I'm just going to quickly reference some of them. I will not even be mentioning all the references based on which, uh, which the sermon sermon is based on. Also, uh, this message is uh, intentionally focused only on the New Testament, on how the New Testament addresses the subject of repentance, simply because of a lack of time. Uh, But, you know, uh, it definitely is important for us to look at repentance from the Old Testament perspective, which we will have to leave for uh, another occasion. So, 
Having said that, let's get started. You know, you and I are aware that the Gospels begin with Jesus. First of all, with John the Baptist and later on Jesus preaching uh, the message of repentance. Jesus said, repent. He said, repent and believe the Gospel. So repentance um, is a precursor. Repentance enables us to come to a place where we can believe, where where we can have faith. And so repentance is important. From that perspective, it enables us to come to a place of believing. Jesus also said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In Matthew 4, 17, he said, the kingdom of heaven is near. So repent because the kingdom is here. So repentance is important for us in order to experience, to encounter, to step in uh, the kingdom of God. It's a prerequisite, so to speak. Now, many of us understand repentance from, the, from a perspective of the unsaved. You know, when we were unsaved, yeah, you, know, you preach repentance to me. That makes sense. Uh, and, and that is true. Jesus said, I, I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And even in the book of Acts, the preaching of the gospel usually followed a call, an invitation to repent. You, know, you read that in Acts 2 and Acts 3 and uh, in uh, uh, Acts 17. You'll find that when they preached the gospel, they invited people to repent. That is true. But do not forget these two very basic things. Number one, repentance brings us to a place where we can believe. It brings us to that place where we can believe. And secondly, repentance positions us to receive, encounter, and experience the kingdom of God. And that is an ongoing thing. As believers, we are to continue believing. And so repentance has a place for us. And uh, uh, as believers, we want to encourage encounter more and more and experience more and more of the kingdom of God. And so repentance has a place uh, even in that, uh, in that respect that it enables us to experience and encounter more and more of the kingdom of God. So what does repent mean in the Bible? What does it really mean to repent? The word repent in the Greek simply means to think differently or Uh, to change one's way of thinking, to change one's mind for the better. So repent simply means to think differently. Now, the word repent is a verb. It's an action word. And so uh, it just doesn't require us to just think differently, but our thinking differently should lead us to acting differently about the matter. So repentance in the Bible... Uh, means changing our thinking and our action as we turn toward God and pursue God. So when I, when I change in my thinking and then following, followed by my action and changing towards God, that is repentance. It means we align our thoughts to God's thoughts and align our ways to God's ways. And every time we do that, we are actually repenting. And I think Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9, captures it wonderfully. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us there, Seek the Lord while he may be found. And God says that the wicked man forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him turn to the Lord, for he will have mercy, and he will abundantly pardon. Because my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so high, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways than your ways. So God is saying, look, there's a big gap between your ways and my ways, your thoughts and my thoughts, but turn towards me. And so every time we turn, align ourselves to God's thoughts, God's ways, we are in fact repenting. We are turning towards Him and moving in that direction. So even if an unsaved person is, is turning from what they trust in and turning towards God, that's repentance. And even when a believer aligns himself turns away from his own thinking and turns towards God, that is also repentance. Because to repent simply means to think differently and to have corresponding action. Actions that follow that change in thinking. Now, I want to emphasize that the Bible teaches us about the fruits of repentance. That means repentance is not just an alteration in thought process, but repentance must be accompanied by action. John the Baptist, who was the first man preaching there in the, in the New Testament, repent, both in, you know, you find this both in Matthew 3, 8 and 9 and Luke 3, 8 and 9. He says, bring forth fruits 
unto repentance. Or as the Passion Translation puts it in Matthew 3.8, it says, you must prove your repentance by a changed life. Prove your repentance by a changed life. And you know, you find this even in the preaching of the Apostle Paul in Acts 26 verse 20. He says, you know, men must repent, turn to God and demonstrate it with a changed life. You got to demonstrate that with a changed life. So repentance must have its fruits. There must be the fruits of repentance with a changed life. And so that means the point I want to emphasize here is this. It's not enough to you and me, for you and me to say, okay, I will change. I'm changing my mind about that. Or I'm, I've, I've made that decision to think differently. That's good. But repentance is not just an alteration in our thinking, on our thought process. It must bear fruit with a changed behavior, with a changed manner of life. That is the fruit of repentance. Or for example, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and 30, Jesus said this. He said, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Why? Because you need to stop doing that. So repentance is not enough to say, oh, I'm so sorry, my right eye caused me to sin, or my right hand caused me to sin, and I don't want to do it. But repentance goes, takes the next step, which is to get rid of whatever is causing someone to sin. Now, that may be hard, but it, that's required. That, though that is the fruit of repentance. Now, let's take this forward and, and then talk about repentance, grace, and forgiveness. You see, what should a believer even repent? Doesn't the blood of Jesus automatically, you know, the moment you sin, you have a shower, the blood of Jesus comes over you and washes you. I mean, angels are standing... To, standing by to just clean you up every moment you do something wrong. Is it just automatic like that? Or we know that Jesus paid for all sins. So if all sin has been paid for, then what's the need for me to repent? Now, you need to look at this in the Gospels, and we'll spend a little bit of time on that. But, you know, try to understand. And if you, for instance, let's look at the book of Romans. You know, when you look at Romans, Romans chapter 5 talks about God giving us abundant grace and God giving us the gift of righteousness. Then Romans 6 goes on and says, you know, though there is abounding grace, can we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Romans 6 says no. Romans 6 teaches us that the power of sin over our lives has been broken and so we no longer are slaves to sin. And then we come to Romans 8, which tells us that, you know, you walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the sinful desires of the flesh. And then we come to Romans 12 and Romans 12 teaches us, you know, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means have a change in your living by a change in your thinking. So you see the whole progression there. While it is established that we are the righteousness of God. We cannot continue in sin. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live victoriously. And then a change in thinking is required. An ongoing change in thinking. The renewing of our mind is required for an ongoing transformation of our life. So let me make this statement here. That repentance is an important part of the believer's transformation into Christ's likeness. It's an ongoing thing. It happens over and over and over again. Why? That's renewing of the mind. And part of the renewing of the mind is for you and me to recognize that certain things, the way I'm thinking is wrong. I need to get it aligned to the way God thinks. I need to start thinking God's thoughts about this matter. And every time you make that decision, what you're really doing is you're repenting. And that process is important for the transformation of the life of the believer. So understand the difference between positional truth and practical truth. Positionally, you are the righteousness of God, but in practice, you've got to live it out. You've got to walk as the righteousness of God. And that walking in righteousness requires an ongoing repentance. Now, think about what the Apostle John wrote in his epistles. And he addresses this matter of repentance and forgiveness. We know, and I'm just referencing 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. We know uh, that you know, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, of course, cleanses us from all sin. But, he says, if we say that we are in the light and we walk in darkness, then we do not do the truth. So I can't claim to be in the light and then do what is wrong. No. If I claim to be in the light, 
I got to walk in the light. But if I sin, and John says, you know, don't say you don't have sin. Confess it. If I have sinned, what do I do? I confess my sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You know, and as John continues in that first epistle of John, he addresses this whole issue. He tells us, you know, we don't continue in sin as people who are born of God. We don't practice sin. And I'll just reference 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, where John says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness because, and sin is lawlessness. That means if I'm sinning, I'm actually breaking the law of God. But he tells us that we do not practice sinning. That's not what the believer does. He doesn't continue uh, in sin. So let me make the statement that repentance is necessary to stay in continued fellowship with God. That's what John is pointing out from in 1 John chapter 1. Repentance is necessary for us to stay in continued fellowship with God. If I do something wrong, I need to confess. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all sin. Then I have fellowship with God. I walk in that intimacy, that closeness, that right relationship with God. So this brings us to that important question. Does repentance have a place in the life of the believer? Or should I say that because I'm under grace, because I'm already forgiven, because the blood of Jesus Christ has already been shed, I don't need to repent. Should I just say that? Or do I need to practice repentance as an important part of the Christian life? And I want to just point to certain biblical examples, a few of them, where, uh, that, that point to us without a shadow of a doubt that repentance does have a place in the life of the believer. Take Simon, the former sorcerer, for example, in Acts chapter 8. He heard the gospel preached when Philip came to Samaria. Uh, he repented of all that he did. He got baptized and he was there, you know, uh, seeing what was happening. When Peter and John had come and they were praying for the believers to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And there Simon offered money for the Holy Spirit. And Peter rebukes him and says, repent of the sin. So he was a man who had a genuine conversion. He was following Jesus, but he thought he could buy the power of God through money. And Peter said, you need to repent. Think about how the Apostle Paul dealt with the Corinthian church. You know, it was to the Corinthian church that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ is our righteousness. It is to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul said, you know, we are sanctified, we are justified. We are washed, we are sanctified, we are justified. It is to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the apostle Paul said that you are now the righteousness of God. So he had taught them that they are the righteousness of God, that they are perfectly accepted in the sight of God. And yet it is to this Corinthian church that he rebukes them when it comes to dealing with sin in the church and addressing the brother who was living in sexual immorality. And he says, you need to address that. You need to discipline him. So did Paul overlook sin just because he taught them about righteousness? No. He did teach them about righteousness. He did teach the believer that you are the righteousness of God. But he also addressed sin and said, look, a brother who's committing sexual immorality in the church needs to be addressed, needs to be disciplined. Think about Paul's writing in, uh, uh, in 1 Timothy. Uh, he extends correction even to church leaders. You know, he says, if there is a, there's a church leader, and I'm referencing 1 Timothy 5, verses 19 to 22. He says, if there's a church leader who's continuing in sin, what must you do? He says, you've got to rebuke him in the presence of everyone so that others also may fear and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, uh, don't, 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 don't do the things that he is doing. So even if a church leader is continuing in sin, you don't just overlook it. In fact, Paul says there, you know, don't treat him with any prejudice or partiality. Don't give him any preferential treatment just because he's a leader. No, if he's sinning, he's got to be disciplined publicly. So we don't overlook sin just because we have been saved and sanctified. But it has to be dealt with. It has to be addressed. Uh, and there has to be discipline concerning that. Meaning, believers should practice repentance and turning to God when they sin when they do something wrong. And finally, think about the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus' message in the book of Revelation to the seven churches. 
to five out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he says, repent. Meaning, he's saying, I'm seeing something wrong in your midst. You need to repent. To the church in Ephesus, he says, you need to repent because you've left your first love. And you've forsaken doing the first works. So here was a very active church, but they still had a problem. Because they've drifted away from loving God and doing the first works to being busy with other things. He says, repent. To the church in Pergamos and Thyatira, uh, they were tolerating wrong doctrine, false doctrine in the church. And he says, you need to repent. To the church in Sardis, he says, you need to repent because your works are not perfect before God. Uh, they had some things going on, but they were not doing the right things before God. To the church in Laodicea, they were in self-deception. They thought everything was okay. Everything was perfect. Everything is fine. We are good. We don't need anything. We don't lack anything. We're great. And Jesus says, you don't know that you're naked, you're blind, and, and you need to repent. So when you put all of these things together, you see that... While we are washed, sanctified, and justified in the eyes of God, God just doesn't overlook sin. And he doesn't say, well, that's my child sinning. Okay, it's all covered. No. He says, you have to repent. You've got to align yourself. You've got to uh, change your thinking about something that's wrong, that's not right, that's not pleasing in the eyes of God. And you've got to have action that follows through that change in thinking. We need to align ourselves to the way God, God's ways and God's thoughts. Now, this brings me to the next thought here about all sins, great and small. Somehow in the church, we have mistakenly taken on this uh, idea or this thought that, you know, there are some sins that are okay and there are those other sins that are really bad. And so I've just put down a list here, a contrasting list. And you'll find, if you look at scripture, if you look at Proverbs chapter 6 and Matthew 5 and 1 John 3 and Revelation 21, you find that all these things are equally detestable to God. But think about this contrast. Lust and adultery. A believer walking in lust and a person committing adultery. Now, which one would you say is the more grievous sin? But in the eyes of God, both are equally wrong. Jesus said, if you're lusting somebody in your heart, it's as good as committing adultery. Or think about hate and murder. You know, somebody has hate. Somebody commits murder. Which is the more grievous crime? In the eyes of God, hate equals murder. And he, both are detestable to God. Think about pride and sexual immorality. They are both Listed in the same words saying they're an abomination to God. Think about sowing disunity and idolatry. You know, we think, oh, this person, idolatry, worshipping something wrong, or worshipping a wrong God, or worshipping dark spirits, or whatever. And, but we don't realize that when a person is sowing discord, God holds both equally. They're both equally abom abominable or detestable to God. Or lastly, think about speaking lies or killing the innocent. Speaking lies, which to us is like, hmm, that's simple. Killing the innocent, wow, that's really bad. But in the eyes of God, both are an abomination. The one who speaks lies is as detestable. Speaking lies is detestable, equally detestable in the eyes of God as killing innocent, killing the innocent. And all of these sins, the Bible tells us in Revelation 21, they all lead to the same destination, which is, an, which is an eternal separation from God in hell. And that's Bible. That's what the Bible says. So the challenge to you and me as believers is this. All sins, great and small, should be detestable to us. We don't tolerate something. Oh, this is okay. You know, lying, lying. That's a small thing. But just remember, lying is as detestable to God as killing an innocent. Would you kill the innocent? No, you wouldn't. But when you lie, you're in the same category as far as God is concerned. So for you and me as believers, what did Paul tell us in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1? He said, we must cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of flesh and spirit. That means the outward and the inward. Get rid of everything. All filthiness. Lust, hate, Pride, speaking lies, 
as well as murder and adultery and immorality and idolatry and killing the innocent, get rid of everything. These won't have any place in the life of a child of God. So as we kind of progress in this message, and I'm just getting, you know, getting ready to wind up, I want to think about a few more things. What leads a person to repentance? What brings a person to, the, to a place of repentance? And here are a few things I want to put before us so that when, when, when you know, we, we need to keep this in mind for ourselves and also when we deal with people. Number one, we see in scripture that the goodness of God leads a person to repentance. And that's Romans 2 and verse 4. The goodness of God bring somebody to repentance not the anger of god now we have to speak about god's truth we have to speak about god's justice and i'm not taking that away but it's the goodness of god that brings somebody draws them to the place of repentance and so even when we are dealing with people who are living in sin doing things wrong you know extend goodness and let the goodness of god draw them to that place of repentance number two we see that the works and the miracles and encounter with the supernatural power of god often leads people to repentance in matthew 11 when jesus did all the wonderful miracles in those cities he expected them to repent he expected their encounter with God to bring them to a place of repentance. A classic example is in Luke 5. When Peter saw the miraculous catch of fish, his response was, Lord, I am a sinful man. It brought him to that place of repentance. And that's why we pray for healings, for miracles. Even if people are unsaved, and even if people are living in sin, we pray for God to do a good work of healing and deliverance in them. Why? Because when they encountered the power of God. It will draw them to that place of repentance. Thirdly, the Bible says godly sorrow leads to repentance. And you read about this in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10. Um, Godly sorrow, when truth is presented, many times an encounter with the truth uh, helps people recognize where they have missed the mark and hopefully brings them to that place of godly sorrow over what has happened. And godly sorrow leads somebody to repentance and even you and I you know it's good to uh, let that that godly sorrow do its work in you and me that means we truly are, are, are feeling sorry for what we have done and, and and the way it's affected us God and people and when there is a godly sorrow working in us it leads us to that place of repentance and lastly we see in second Timothy chapter 2 verses 24 and 26, that God grants repentance. You know, in in some cases where we cannot understand God, uh, you know, God, why is that person doing that? How can that person change? Uh, Just remember that God can grant a person repentance, that God can move in such a way that that person will come to a place of repentance. It's something that you and I can't force. It's something that you and I can't debate about and argue about we just pray god grant that person repentance give them the gift of repentance so that they come to the place that they can turn towards god align their thinking and their actions to god and you know that same verse in second timothy chapter 2 verse 26 says it when they repent they can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil and so sometimes uh, the reason people are trapped in what they're doing is because of the snare of the devil. When God grants them repentance, they recover out of that. And so that leads me to make this very important statement that repentance is our first step to recovery and restoration. Some of us want to experience recovery in our lives. We want to experience restoration in our lives and understand this, that repentance is that first step towards recovery and restoration. Think about the prodigal son in Luke 15. You know, he came to a place where the Bible says he came to himself or he came to his senses. Then he made that long journey back for recovery and there was restoration. But that repentance had to take place. A change in thinking had to take place, which was followed by the road to recovery and restoration. So as believers, when and how do we repent? You know, you and I must be quick to repent. Sometimes it's the simple uh, nudging of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. When the Holy Spirit alerts us to something wrong in our lives, 
You know, the Bible tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to quench Him and not to resist Him. And sometimes things we say and do may grieve Him. And then He lets us know. Say, hey, that's not right. That's not pleasing. And we must be sensitive to respond to that and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I know that's not right. I'm aligning myself. I'm changing my thinking. I'm bringing myself aligned to the ways and the thoughts of God. And so there's repentance taking place. Sometimes a correction can come through a word, a message that we listen to, or it could come through a word a believer speaks into our lives, or we're just fellowshipping with somebody, sharing some things, and they share the word that, that it impacts us. Correction can come even through that way. But the important thing is this, keep short accounts. The moment you know something is out of alignment, get into alignment with God. Because repentance is very important in the life of the believer. Now, Repentance simply means saying yes to that correction and being willing to change your thinking and letting that change your life. That's a simple, uh, uh, that's a simple thing, uh, or uh, to put it very simply, it's as simple as saying yes to the correction, whether it comes to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God. You know, sometimes you, uh, you're just sitting, you're listening to a message, and very quietly you say, God, I know what I heard is your word, but what I have been thinking is out of line with your word, so today I'm coming in line. That's it, you've repented. You have come in line, and repentance has taken place in your heart, in your life, in your mind, and then you follow through on that with action. You've actually repented. Now at other times, repentance could actually happen over a period of time. There could be a struggle. You hear the truth. You hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. But you, you want to go a different way. And, and, and so there's a struggle. God, I want this, but your word is telling me this. Your truth is here. And there may be, there may be a struggle. There may be a, a lot of crying and a weeping. And, 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 and during that process, you're, you're coming into line with God's truth. And that's fine. Sometimes it happens very quietly, very gently, in a moment. Sometimes it happens over time. But, and God works with you. He gives you time to repent. He gives you time to get in line with His truth. And, and, and there could be a little struggle there. There could be some weeping and crying and all of that. But let that do its work so that you can come into alignment with His truth, His ways, His thoughts. And that's repentance taking place in you. I like Second uh, Corinthians 7. And verse 11, that describes the process of repentance here. When Paul has uh, corrected the Corinthian church, this is what they went through. He says, you know, for, I, for observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what indignation. In all these things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. It describes the process, what they went through when they repented as a community. And if you break it down, you can see that, first of all, there was diligence. That they became very serious about the matter. Second, there was clearing of themselves. They were eager to do what is right. Thirdly, there was indignation. There was displeasure and wrath against sin. Fourthly, there was fear. That means they were alarmed by what they were tolerating. They were shocked that they were actually tolerating that in their midst. Um, Fifthly, there was vehement desire. That means there was a holy longing, a seriousness of purpose. Uh, sixthly, there was zeal. There was a passion for God. There was a godly devotion aroused in them. Seventhly, there was vindication. They were ready to you know, bring justice, to punish what was do- the wrongdoing. And eighthly, they proved themselves clear. That means they desired to clean things up and be without blame. So that was the process of repentance. They went through that. And very often you and I, you know, go through those same things happening in us as we turn from something that's wrong and come into alignment to the thoughts of God and to the ways of God. But let that process do its work because Paul said godly sorrow works repentance, which is something we shouldn't be ashamed of. Let it do its work. You know, I want to close with this, that Repentance is so important. Worship team, please come. Repentance is so important in the life of the believer that if we do not repent, that means if we are not keeping a very gentle heart towards God in this matter, it's, it's very possible that we could be led astray. And we read this in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, where Paul, sorry, the writer of Hebrews 
you know, says, talks about people who 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 come to a place where you can't even bring them back to repentance. And that's a very sad state to get into. How do they get there? Most likely, they were unwilling to repent of the small things. They just ignored it. And they finally, they arrived at this place where they, they couldn't even be brought back to repentance. So let me make this statement. When we are unrepentant, it leads us to self-deception. And that's the worst kind of deception. When you're self-deceived, you don't even know you're deceived. Why? How did people get there? Because they're unrepentant of small things. Something goes wrong and the Holy Spirit corrects them. They don't listen. Something goes wrong. The Holy Spirit corrects them or, or somebody speaks in their life. They don't want to listen. And sooner or later, they come into this place where they are self-deceived. And that is so dangerous. When we are self-deceived, we could end up anywhere with a hard heart, thinking we're doing what's right, but we're actually doing what's wrong. So, Repentance is so important in the life of the believer. And your repentance is so important in the life of the collective church as well. We see there were problems in the collective church body, and some of it is parallel to what we see in contemporary in the contemporary church. In the Corinthian church, there was division and strife, competition. People were taking sides with man. Somebody saying, I'm of Paul. Somebody was saying, I'm of Apollos. I belong to this group. I belong to that group. This stream of Christianity, that stream of Christianity, that brand of Christianity. People are doing that back then as well, as we see happening today in the modern church. People were puffed up on behalf of one man against another. So they were, you know, so-called supporting this prophet versus that prophet, this apostle versus that apostle. Same thing's happening in today's church. And that was a sin in the Corinthian church, the sins in the Corinthian church that Paul rebuked them and said, what are you doing? You're behaving like children as you do these kinds of things. Think about what Jesus rebuked the, church, seven, the, the five churches in Revelation 4. One church was so busy in the ministry, they forgot to love God, the Ephesian church. The church in Pergamos and Thyatira tolerated wrong doctrine in their midst and Jesus said I need you to correct that the church in Sardis they were doing some things but it wasn't the right things and Jesus said you need to correct that the church in Laodicea they thought they had everything and they didn't want what was of God and Jesus said you need to correct that and I wonder if the church today the contemporary church is in some of these same problems and we need to repent we're going to take some time to pray I want to ask you personally before we do a collective repentance personally are there things in your life that you need to repent of now this is something between you and God it's not whether you tell me or you tell somebody else but between you and God are there things in your life that you know are not pleasing in the eyes of God others may not know about it but God sees it and maybe this morning we have an opportunity as we pray it may be an opportunity for you to say Lord I want to come in line with your ways and your thoughts with your thoughts and your ways. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to change my thinking so that my action will also change. Help me to do it. And thank God for His Word and thank God for His Holy Spirit because He empowers us to do it. It's the goodness of God that draws us to this place of repentance. So, I want to just quickly review and then we're going to pray. Remember that repentance is a verb. It's an action word. It requires us to think differently, leading to acting differently about a matter. It means we're changing our thinking and our action as we turn toward God. Repentance brings us into this place where we can believe. Today we're going to pray for miracles. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for God to do 
miracles in your lives just as you heard the testimonies at the beginning but the first step repent and believe repentance positions us to receive encounter and experience the kingdom of God we want to experience the kingdom of God today as we pray but first let there be repentance in our hearts and our lives Jesus said repent because God's kingdom is here when I repent I'm welcoming his kingdom say God I receive your kingdom which is righteousness peace and joy it's the power of God at work in our lives Repentance is part of our ongoing transformation into Christ likeness. Today, when we repent, we are becoming a little bit more closer to being like Jesus. We are aligning our thoughts and our actions to Jesus Christ. Repentance is important to stay in continual fellowship with God. That's important. Because as he is in the light, we walk in the light that's fellowship repentance brings recovery leading to restoration for some of us that's what we need but the first step in your road to recovery and restoration is repentance and it can happen right now as a worship team leads wherever you are the presence of god is there if there are things and i'm not trying to put condemnation that's not the point i'm inviting you and me to a place of repentance if there are things that need to be aligned to the ways of god to the thoughts of god then take this time as they sing take that time to come into alignment and say lord i repent right after that we're going to come and pray and believe god for healings for miracles for deliverances because repentance positions us to believe and to encounter and experience the kingdom of God and God will break through in our lives the arm of God will come as in ancient days as in generations of old the god who parted the red sea the god who sent manna the god who brought water of a rock will do those kinds of miracles in your life and mine as we position ourselves to receive Yeah. 
same again I can never return I've closed the door I've walked the path around the race And I will never be the same again And I will never be the same again Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. Taking us, Lord God, to higher heights and deeper depths. Thank you, Father. Right where people are, they're experiencing the presence, the work, and the fire of your Spirit. Burning up the child. We will never be the same again. Never be the same again. Let everything in our hearts, in our minds, our thought processes, in our thinking, in our imaginations, let everything align itself to your truth, to your word. Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, for those who might be held captive by the devil. Who've been taken captive at his will. Father, I pray right now, God, in your mercy and your grace, grant them repentance. Grant them repentance. And let them experience deliverance right now. And then recover themselves. Come out of the snare of the devil right now. Let there be a release wrought by your Holy Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus. And I'm speaking to some people. You are crying out and saying, God, I want to get out of this trap. I'm in this trap. I've tried this before. I've tried coming out of this before. I need to get out. This is your moment of release. And I speak to you in the name of Jesus. And by the power of His Spirit, God is granting you release now, this moment. You are recovering. You're stepping out of the trap of the devil. God is bringing you out. The great I Am, the mighty God who brings prisoners out of the prison, is escorting you out of that prison and never again, no more will you find yourself in that prison. You are out of it now by the power of His Holy Spirit. And you will never go back, never step back in to that bondage, to that trap of the enemy because the God of this universe has walked you out of it. He's brought you out of it. This is your moment of release. God has done this for you. So stand firm in your freedom. Stand firm in the freedom that God has granted to you right now. Right now. Stand firm in that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk in that liberty. Walk in that freedom. Live in that freedom. Never again step back into that place where you are trapped by the enemy. Never again. Father, we thank you. Oh God, you are the miracle working God. You are the God of the ages, the ancient of days. And Father, we pray that even today, that the arm of the Lord will awake. That the arm of the Lord will put on strength. So that God, the works that you did in days past, you will do again today. That the miracles you did, Lord, in times past, you will do again today. That God, people watching, uh, people listening from wherever they are. Today we pray that the power of God will come upon them. That the power of God will touch them. That the power of God will invade their lives. Because you are the great I am. Because you are the same God. You are the 
powerful God. You are the miracle working God. And Lord we are praying that right where people are. They will experience your presence. They will experience your power. They will experience your touch right now. We're going to pray from here. For God to heal. For God to deliver. For God to intervene in your life situations. And whatever your circumstances. Whatever it is that you want the Lord Jesus to touch and heal. I work a miracle. Lift it up to him in prayer right now. There are people online moderating. They will join you in prayer. Those of us right here on stage will, will extend our faith and believe that God will touch you. God will work miracles in you. Right where you are. If you have, if you have a need of healing, a need of deliverance. If possible, put your hand right where you want the Lord Jesus to touch you and heal you. If there's a torn muscle, just put your hand right where you want God to heal that. If you're lying flat on your back because there's some problem in your back, maybe it's an accident, a, a, a damage, a, a, an injury on your back, just, just say, God, I need your healing. And it doesn't matter how seriously injured you might be. God is ready to heal you. God is ready to work a miracle for you right now. Let's believe God. Skin conditions, psoriasis. Just believe God that as we pray, those skin conditions will just clear up. Well, let's heal right now. Believe God for that. The healing of the nerves, the nerves that have been damaged. Believe God for those things to take, for healing to take place right now. Believe God that He will do that right now. Also, maybe for those, for those of you who are in difficult situations financially, where, where you need supernatural intervention for your provision, believe God. Because the God we serve is a God who provided manna, is a God who brought water out of a rock. And God is willing to do that same miracle in your life, to bring a supernatural provision into your life situation. So believe God for that. Maybe it's something you have what you need, but but you need a whole lot more for the next thing that you are about to step into. Believe God to bring that abundance, to bring that extra so that you can step into what he wants you to accomplish uh, in your life journey. So believe God for that right now as we pray. Father, we join our hearts together and we pray with people connecting right now, Father. You are the God of miracles. And in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every evil work. I come against the work of the devil. Satan, I come against your evil works in the name of Jesus. I take authority over spirits that are causing illnesses, abnormalities, disorders in the bodies and the minds of people. I command you foul, unclean spirits come out in the name of Jesus. Leave in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of infirmity, every spirit of mental and emotional disorder, I command you to leave every spirit that is affecting the chemical levels in the body and that are therefore caused abnormalities. Leave. Let there be a sudden turnaround and bringing all the parameters to normal levels so that there is normalcy in their mind and in their body, in the functioning of their of their systems right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority for spirits of infirmity that are affecting the nerves, the tissues come out in Jesus' name. Let mobility be restored. Let hand coordination and leg feet coordination be restored right now. Begin to do what you could not do. Begin to move your hands and your feet right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we take authority over those spirits that are causing psoriasis and skin conditions. We command those things to leave in the name of Jesus so that right now the skin clear up. The skin become clear and let there be healing in the name of Jesus. So Father, do mighty miracles. Bring supernatural provision in the lives of those people who are waiting for that to happen. Do the miracles in their lives, Heavenly Father. And we pray that they will experience that overabundant supply coming in so that they can step in to the next assignment that's awaiting, awaiting for them to fulfill, to step into. So cause that flow of supply to come into their lives and we thank you 
Father, for doing it. Thank you for doing it. Thank you, O God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, wherever you are, whichever part of the world you're watching this from, right now, receive your miracle. And as God works miracles, write it up there in the description, in the chat, or in the comment section. Write it up there and share what God is doing for you right now. As you listen to this live stream, as you listen to this program, just share what God is doing for you right now. And we will rejoice. We'll give thanks to God for that. I just want to lift up the team up here. If you've got a word, you have something in your heart, just go ahead and share. John Roshan, Sarup, just feel free to share. If you you feel the Lord putting something in your heart, uh, just go ahead and share it. Just minister to the people right now. Just go ahead, do that. So it sounds like someone is having a pain in the lower back, lower spine. It's releasing healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we come against that pain, the lower back pain. Towards the, towards the end of the spinal cord, we command the pain to be lifted up right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we declare that healing to come forth in the name of Jesus. We also pray for the healing of the left eye. Uh, some, some kind of vision impairment in the left eye. We command healing in the mighty name of Jesus. And we ask Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit visit that person, whoever that person is. Lord, heal that person right now of the vision impairment in the left eye. We declare it to happen in the mighty name of Jesus. I also sense that someone is waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. I just want to remind, as we said in the, in the beginning, God has not forgotten. He still remembers what he has promised over your life and God wants to uh, bring that into action Lord we also pray for that person who is waiting on your promise Lord we pray and we declare that it will come forth in their lives and we believe it Lord Jesus as your word says your word never comes back void Lord and we declare that to happen over that person's life oh God we thank you we thank you Jesus we thank you Jesus Please. Sarup, go ahead. Go ahead. Is your mic? Can we turn that mic on? Sarup's mic, please. Go ahead. Um, I believe there are uh, people here who. You've been living in the shadows for a long time. And you see a light, but the light is very dim. So many shadows around like pastor was talking about that's the power of repentance if you can the light may be dim but hold on to that because once you step into that repentance once you step into that light believe in the promises of Jesus that he will transform and the shadows will just fade away and the light will become brighter and brighter because that is the word of the lord and that is his promise that he will make you a new man the old has gone and the new has come. So don't be scared of the shadows. Walk into the light, however dim it is. Because that light is truth. That light is power. That light is the word of Jesus. That is the power of repentance. Amen. 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 Go ahead, Rashid. I just uh, you know, feel like the Lord. I was putting the psalm, the first verse of Psalm 23 says the Lord is my shepherd and I just want to encourage I just feel like saying this um, the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want because he leads you in the paths of righteousness and he says he is the good shepherd I feel like the Lord wanting to encourage us encourage you to make him your shepherd and and to leave out all the sounds and the voices of every other shepherd that wants to lead us in this world. And the Lord is saying that, make me your shepherd. I will lead you. Reduce the volume, the voices of every other shepherd that wants to lead you astray. But I am the good shepherd. I will lead you in the paths of righteousness, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. And anyone else? Want to share anything? 
Okay. Amen. Man, wherever you're watching from, just share what the Lord is doing in your life. You know, they've, they've, different ones have shared what, whatever the Lord has been putting in their hearts and it will be ministering to different people. So just share where you're watching from and, and, and say, you know, I, I, I believe this is for me. I believe this is for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for speaking through your people and to your people. Out there, by your spirit, you are touching lives. You're ministering to people. We thank you and we bless your name, O God. We praise you. We honor you. We're going to get close right now. We're going to just speak God's blessing over your life as we close. And then, of course, the worship team will lead us uh, in another song. And you could just take a few moments to worship with them. But we thank you for joining us today. Thank you for connecting with us online. Feel free to share these with others, this, this, tel- this particular broadcast. Share it with others. Uh, you're welcome to re- use the resources on our church website and other resources that all are available for free. Make use of them. Strengthen yourself spiritually. Bless others with it. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit with each of us always in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcbiblecollege.org. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play Store.